Good morning, everyone. All right, I have been waiting to be here, it seems, for years now. Uh, Joel and the team keep trying to invite me. We keep trying to make something happen, and it hasn't. So I, I just need a moment to check everybody out. I've already ran into some old friends, um, and I'm sure there's some new friends here as you guys are growing and expanding the gospel in this area. But I just need a moment to, to look at you guys. The lights are a little bright, but I'm going to adjust here. Um, guys, I'm grateful for the opportunity to bring God's word. But before I do, just want to love on your church and your team. Um, church plants are difficult. And there's often a lot of hard stories about plants. And those, those can be all too common. I want you to know, though, every time I hear about your church, there is a praise associated with the update. There are good things happening. God has been doing a good work. Hey, guys, good to see you, Sean and Mary. I, I'll have to refrain from shout-outs when I do notice people. I was afraid this was going to happen. But your team, and speaking of Sean and Drew and Joel and Jason and Everett, um, you got good people at the helm. But more importantly, we have a great king. And though I don't fellowship with you weekly, I come in the name of our King and Savior. So would you please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Turn to verse 5. While you're turning there, I have a question for you. Did you ever notice the aftertaste of your actions? You're enjoying a meaningful moment all too quickly to feel the need to post it on social media. You tell yourself you just want to share with people. But the way you keep checking for your responses lets you know you are looking for something more than that. You sense that something is off. How about the way that we treat the people in our lives? Times we push them around, times we're harsh, times that we're manipulating, because really we're demanding our own way. We're insisting to be understood, demanding that we get the credit, making sure we make our point. We may get what we want, but we're left knowing that it's not yet what we need. Something's off. And how about that hyper sensitivity we live with what, about what others think of us? That controls so many of our daily actions. What we wear, what we say, what we drive. It makes everyday life and interactions a string of endless performances. Always feeling like we have to be on leaves us feeling like something is off. I could give a thousand other scenarios like these, but they all amount to this, this slavish sense of self-consciousness, this soul-grinding sense of always having to prove and push our way 
through life. And we must ask, is this is what life meant to be? Taste so off, so sour. Friends, Jesus has something sweet, not just for our taste, but for our souls. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for time with these friends, and I pray by your spirit you would accompany our time in your word. Lord, would you unburden us? We are heavy with ourselves. Would you grant us greater liberty in the light of who you are and what you have done for us in Christ? It's in his name that we pray. May it be so. Well, friends, these 10 words of Jesus that come to us in a blessing, you might identify them as being from the Sermon on the Mount, and indeed they are. They're actually in the beginning. That beginning part is often called the Beatitudes. And the particular blessing that we're zooming in on this morning is the blessing Jesus pronounces on the meek. And we want to consider this blessing and its implications in two points. The first is simply this, blessed are the meek. So we're going to have some questions we need to ask up front. What is blessed? It's not a word that we use too commonly. People don't wake up saying that to one another, greeting one another at work this way. But it is a rich and full word. You see, Jesus is drawing here for his disciples distinctive lines of what it means to be his followers, and he's doing it in terms of blessing. See, the meaning of this word blessed, makarios, is really difficult to capture in one English word. It kind of means happy, fortunate, prosperous, but those aren't enough to really capture it. They, they get the joy of it, but they don't capture the thickness of it. See, blessed carries with it a deep sense of well-being with God, ourselves, and others. Comprehensively and practically, it could be defined as the good life. What it really means to live. And see, why this is so important is how you define blessing is going to define how you live what you value, it's going to gauge your disappointments and expectations. Ultimately, how you define blessing will define the kind of disciple that you will be in this world. So, who are the meek? Well, I think the best way to understand who the meek are is actually in the context of these Beatitudes. Because there is a sequence to these blessings. They're all connected and they all build off one another. What this means is that meekness comes from somewhere. It's a byproduct of something much bigger than itself. 
Read with me, if you will, the first two blessings Jesus pronounces in verse 3 and 4, right above where we looked. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means to realize that you are broke before God. Who wants to be broke? None of us like being financially broke. It's an even starker reality to realize we are morally and spiritually broke. When we come to God, we come with nothing. That is poverty of spirit. Well, how about this next one? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourn over what? They mourn over the sin that is in them and the sin that's in the world. I'm so grateful that you guys as a church take time to reflect on your sin so then you can cast your sin on the mercy of Christ. There is a sense of mourning. When you reflected on the sin of your past week, did some of you ache a little bit inside? Did some of you even wonder, again, God? Did you feel the hurt of it? There is a blessing when we mourn for our sin. See, friends, it's this. It's, it's from these realities that we really get meekness. When we realize we bring nothing to God and we have a deep sense of sorrow about our inward brokenness, it's there. It's there meekness starts to form. See, friends, the meek are those who are able to see themselves rightly in the light of who God is truly. They have met with God, and now in such a way, they live with themselves and others much differently. And don't miss this. Meekness is not just how you come across to others. It's how you live within yourself. I loved reading Psalm 51 this morning. Where does God want truth? In our inward being, inside of us. If you think you are something so great, but you come across mild and gentle, you're only fooling yourself. And maybe a handful of people around you, but not God. This must be something you believe. And not mainly based on yourself, but first about God in the light of what he says we really are. Then that truly affects how we are with others. Well, I think this not only helps define meekness, I think this opens up some really important words for us besides meekness. How about humility? Gentleness? How about rest? How many of you feel at rest with God? 
How many of you feel at rest within yourselves? How many of you feel at rest when you're with others? Well, it shouldn't surprise us that in the scriptures, meekness is so closely connected to these words. Consider this with me. This is what we are to clothe ourselves with in keeping with our new identity in Jesus. Colossians 3.12, put on men as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. This is what the Spirit of God is producing in and through us in Galatians 5 when the fruit of the Spirit are mentioned, did you know that same word used for gentleness is connected to the same word for meekness? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Friends, this is This is what real wisdom looks like. The wisdom of God lived on the earth. James 3.13, who is wise and understanding among you? How are you gonna know who's functioning in heavenly wisdom on earth? This is how you'll know. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Oh, the sweetness of meekness. So what's the problem? If meekness is so good, why is there so little of it in us and in the world? That's a good question. I think we're hung up with meekness for the same reasons that the Greeks in Jesus' day were hung up with meekness. See, meekness, we know instinctively when we hear that as a Christian, we know that meekness is something good. Do you know that was a derogatory word in that day? It held no positive meaning in the popular opinion. It was looked at as people who were weak, incompetent, stepped over. See, I think our problem is whether we see it positively or not, we can still have a Greek mindset and we can see meekness as weakness. Friends, I want to encourage all of us. True meekness is not the absence of strength. It is the gracious exercise of strength. What do I mean by that? How many of you go to the gym? Okay. Do you guys know what a lug is? Okay, a few of you. Apparently, if you go to Planet Fitness, they're not allowed. I don't know how they actually escort them out. or I don't know how Planet Fitness people would actually handle a lug. For those of you that don't know, that would be kind of like someone who gets a little extra in the gym. <laughs> Lifts a little too hard, yells a little too much, wears a little bit too little. Um, that... <laughs> That's a lug. And usually when they're working out, you know because they're grunting excessively. Um, 
You know because it's a, it becomes a spectacle. But a lot of the time, like the form is crazy and they're getting it up and it just, it feels like a lot of noise and movement and it can look like strength, but there's no control. There's no consideration. Some of you are laughing because you're like, I knew one of these days someone's going to preach about this and set the record straight. It's form overweight. It's form overweight. Here, here's, what I, here's what I want. And that is true, by the way. That is true. <laughs> but here's, here's what I want you to get. We're not talking about weightlifting. When you are exercising your strength graciously, that is meekness. Because it's a control, not for control's sake. It's a control that has care at its backbone. You care about God, what he thinks and sees, and you care about others. So you don't just go posting something, oh, look at my life, without thinking, how does that affect someone? How might that land on somebody? You don't just push your way and strain and yell, thinking that's going to achieve the righteousness of God. Friend, Jesus shows us a better way. There is a better way for us here. And you guys know this by experience. How many of you have enjoyed the company of someone who is truly meek? Are you not at ease with them? Do you not have that dual sense of being inspired and calm around them? How about those times where we're with someone who's prideful? Are those enjoyable lunches? No. We leave uneasy. We leave with that aftertaste. And sometimes the truth is, sometimes people leave feeling that way after they've been in our own company. But nevertheless, we know these things. Well, another reason I think we're hung up with meekness is because we don't think it works in the real world. We like meekness as a theory. But when things get tough, the tough get going. So sometimes I play ping pong. And when I'm playing someone young and I want to make it seem interesting for them, I use my left hand. I'm right-handed, just to let you know. But then as I'm getting older, say one of these whippersnappers starts like getting the lead on me. Well, what do you think I do? I don't stay with the left. I switch to the right as soon as I can. We're, we're going we're gonna to steady the ship here. That's how we are. We think, yes, I'm going to go into my day. Yes, meekness. And we start driving. And we switch to the right. Now, we laugh about that with situations. It's that way with people, too, isn't it? See, Meekness would be great if we all played along. If you're meek, I can be meek too. But you know what? If you don't want to be meek, it's gloves off. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know what? That's when we actually need to be meek most. Because Jesus spoke these words into our non-meek world. He pronounced this blessing amidst all the chaos of our pride. 
It's here he intends for us to walk in these things. And friends, Jesus speaks these words in this world. And in so doing, he gets our eyes on another world. This leads us to our second point. Point two, for they shall inherit the earth. I bet at this point, I get what you're doing. You don't just do points. You just split the verse, and you do one half of the verse, and you say that's point one. And yeah, well, that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, (laughs) But it should make it easy for you taking notes. What was point two again? We'll just look at the verse. You'll find it. Um, But guys, everything hangs on this promise. See, there is no blessing in meekness if there's not a promise. These things aren't blessed in and of themselves. They're blessed if something greater about them is true. So what does this mean? Well, throughout the Old Testament, there is a strong connection between the land and the promises of God. Hence, we have terms like the promised land. Why is that important? Because God's promises are made to manifest on the earth where we live. They're that real. And by the way, I got to tell you, like, I was pretty excited to hear you might be getting some land yourself. Um, may the Lord gather you and cause that to happen. I would love that because God's promises are meant to materialize. And if you're like, whoa, did they bring a prosperity preacher here? No, I, I don't mean it like that. I mean that God's promises are concrete. They're real. They're not just sentimental. You're you're saying amen. You're just really relieved. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. You're like, oh man, this would be awkward. And Jason would be like, what am I going to do? But uh, I'm glad for my own soul's sake and your sake, that's not the case. Um, Friends. God's promises are not sentimental. They're solid. So what what kind of place are we talking about here? This inherit the earth business. Is this going to be here? It's going to be here, but not yet. It's going to be here after some renovation. How many are you familiar with the term the new heavens and the new earth? That doesn't mean some make-believe heavens and some make-believe earth. That means there's coming a time when the world as we know it is going to be recreated. And that same connection that heaven and earth had when it was God and Adam and Eve before sin, that's what we're all going to share together, the redeemed. Amen. That's for real. Some of you are like, yeah, I hope it's real. Um, Get this. It's as real as the earth we live upon. It's just going to be way better. God's promises have a place in the land because they're that real. We need to get that. We need to comprehend that. Okay, you say, I, I can hear that, but, but really, like, because if I'm hearing you, Andrew, what you're saying is the meat get it all. The meat get the whole universe. That's a huge statement. It is. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. But it's true. The meek get it all. Well, how is that? How in the world do the meek get the earth? The meek hardly can get onto 295. (laughs) You know that's true. And don't judge because some of you are like, you need to learn to speed it up. And that's that's me too. 
Anyways. The meek have a hard time getting a promotion. The meek have a hard time getting a date. The meek have a hard time being cool, fitting in, getting by. I don't know how the meek are going to get the earth. Let me tell you how they're going to get the earth. They will inherit it. Do you hear the ring of grace in that? They don't earn it. They don't work for it. They don't strive for it. They inherit it. It's theirs not because they're someone great. They're theirs because they belong to someone great who is giving it to them out of grace. Friends, let me ask us all a question. How many of the issues in our lives come from this? We would rather earn than inherit. We would rather earn than inherit. Imagine showing someone a house. Actually, you know what? I'm going to use a different illustration. What if Jason Stoll met me, welcome, brought me in this morning. It was great, by the way. I love where you guys are at. You need to warn me about precipices for preaching, but that's okay. I mean, you didn't have to warn me. We figured it out together. But what if Jason just kind of came in here and goes, yeah, this is my place. Yeah, like your church. No, this is, this is my house. I own this place. I earned it. It's all mine. Would that be weird? It wouldn't just be weird to be wrong. But don't we like the feeling of saying things are ours? That we earned it? That we did it? But isn't yet that part of our problem? We always feel like we need to prove. Always feel like we need to earn, to perform, to be on, to push. See, we may want to earn rather than inherit, but the truth is we don't. We want to belong. We want to be secure in love. And we will never get there if the approach is to earn it. We must learn to embrace inheritance. We must learn to embrace grace. Friends, Another problem that I think we can run into here that I want to be very honest about is still, what about, all the, what about all the people that are not meek? What about all the wicked people who are really rich, powerful, famous, they're getting away with a lot? How do, we, how do we deal with that? Friends, some of this takes faith, trust, patience. I'm going to read a little bit of a longer passage. Um, but I want you to turn to Psalm 37, and I want you to hear the connection of this psalm with working through the difficulties of this while also realizing who gets the inheritance, and see if you can keep your ear out for some of the things that we've heard already in Matthew. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate 
faithfulness or befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. If like, oh, there, there it is. Hold up. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. And all our striving and all the world striving, getting a hold of these truths, there is an abundant peace to come and a present peace that we can tap into. It's going to take faith. It's going to take trust. And have to give ourselves to faithfulness while we're here. You see, pride, pride has no place for waiting or trusting. Pride says, I don't need a kingdom that's coming. I'm going to make my own kingdom here now. Build my identity. Pride says, I can't handle being misunderstood, undervalued, not getting what's due. How much of our lives and energy and emotion and resources go into the empty pit of our pride, all our proving and pushing. How many relationships have we strained because we demand for things here and now? Oh, friends, this is where the sweetness of meekness comes in because it is so settled. See, meekness can handle being misunderstood, undervalued, underestimated. Meekness can calm us at our core so we don't have to live so nervously around others thinking about what they think of us. We don't need to live entitled and agitated. Meekness can free us from this sense of always feeling like we have to stand out. We have to be different. We have to have an angle of always feeling like we have to be better than we actually are. We can give up on all of that. See, friends, in the end, it's the meek who have a place in the kingdom when the earth is at its best, not the proud who demanded to have their own kingdom here when the earth is at its worst. Well, how do we get in on this? Well, we get in on this from the very one giving us these words. How can we talk about meekness? without talking about our Lord. I think of what Jesus said in Matthew 11. He said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. 
rest from a works-based approach to God. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly of heart in his inward person. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What does the beginning of Philippians 2 tell us? It tells us all about this reality in Jesus' life. And it says to us that we are to have this mind among ourselves that is in Christ Jesus. So friends, I may be troubled by all that is unmeek in me and the world. And I need to realize how am I going to get in on this? How am I going to find grace and acceptance and inheritance? I'm going to find it not in the meekness that's in me, but in the meekness that is in Jesus. So as we close, let us consider our Lord together. The incarnation, God taking on human flesh. A virgin birth to a peasant girl who is missed by the multitude. Infancy, where animals eat. How about Jesus' misunderstood ministry? Healing the sick and people claiming he has a demon. Oh, how our king has come to us. Matthew 21, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Humble. And mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. How about in the garden? Remember that shady arrest? They had to get Judas in on that? What did Jesus say to Peter after he cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest? Don't you realize that I could appeal to my father and he would send me 12 legions of angels? That's like 72,000 angels. That's not what he did. How about on the cross? What did Jesus say? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Friends, we would not be saved if the Messiah was not meek. If Jesus was so bent on proving himself, showing himself who he is, all his power, there would be no place for us in the kingdom. Oh, let us praise him for his meekness. Let us find ourselves in his meekness. Oh, in his life and in these words, let us taste and live more deeply the sweetness of meekness. Blessed are the meek, Redeemer Church, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's pray.